attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, General Robert Iron Guts Kelly, and joining us this week in the VIP tent is Major Jeff Messer. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Iron Guts. You're, you're working hard to make that stick. I see. I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I am going to use that until the final episode of Mashcast, 220 episodes of now. So it's going to stick there, eventually. I promise. There you go. Eventually, Iron Guts Kelly will be signing off, but it's going to be years and years from now. That is right. That is right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, unlike the actual Iron Guts Kelly, yeah, who signed off very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Very quickly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, thank you for doing the show. This is your first appearance. It's very exciting. Uh, it is very exciting, and uh, thank you for doing the show. As as a MASH fan of many, many decades, I am uh, – first of all, I'm a fan of a lot of the stuff you guys do with the Fire and Water Network. And when the MASH cast came up, I was like, oh, this is – you're playing to me. It's <laughs> like I, 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 if you have no other fans, you, you've got me because I am uh, – I won't say a lifelong MASH fan, but when I when I got into it, I really, really got into it. Well, all right, very cool. Before we get to the episode that we're here to discuss, which is season three, episode eight, Life with Father, let's talk about that for a minute. So, Jack, like, how how did you become a fan of the show? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I grew up in a very small town. Uh, you know, you you and I are around the same age, so maybe younger folks can't appreciate the suffering of <laughs> of three networks uh, of of television channels to choose from. I had to walk and, all the way across the room. <laughs> In, in in three feet of snow, just exactly. to yeah, just to change uh, the channel, exactly. Uh, but also, you know, no cable TV, so this was an antenna on top of your house or outside of your house. And I, I don't know where you grew up, but you know where I was, uh, we didn't get the signal from all three of the networks. Oh, at my really? House. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and the unfortunate part was that CBS was the network that we did not get. Hmm. Uh, now. You know, I, I don't understand how the atmosphere works with television antennas, but uh, a couple of houses down at a different elevation, my my grandparents' house got CBS, but it was very snowy. Uh, it was very, you know, uh, the, the picture wasn't crystal clear. And um, unfortunately, because of that, I did not discover MASH until well into the syndication of, of the show, sometime in the early 1980s. When other networks were airing at uh, sometimes two hours a day, mm-hmm. like, I, I would get I would get home from school, and from five until six o'clock every afternoon, two episodes would air, and then later that night at eleven thirty after the local news, another episode would air. Right, right. And so I I, I got caught up on Mash um, after school, and in in no particular order. Uh, either, <laughs> so right. They all ran them out of order and stuff. Most a lot of the time. Yeah, and I remember at one point, and we've seen on the DVDs. I think some of these uh, commercials that the cast would do. I think in their final season of, you know, Hawkeye's favorite episodes of Mash. So they would have this curated week worth of uh, his five favorite episodes or whatever, and he would introduce them, and they would be spliced into these syndicated episodes. And so I would be watching. You know, I think the first episode I saw was uh, with BJ Honeycutt. And so I was then shocked to learn that there was a, you know, a Trapper and a Henry. Hmm. And and then the curated episodes, you know, were from across the entire run of the show. So I, I had no sense of when or where any of this was ha- happening. Right, right. 
until the uh, the Susie Cobra book came out. Oh wow! You had you had that book as well, the complete book of I, Mash. Yes, I, I did. I did. It was definitely a bible for me. Uh, but my, you know, my thing was I wanted to be a writer, so I was very much dialed into even as a kid when I was preteen, I wanted to be a writer, and I was dialed into anything that was good writing. And I, ah. I couldn't t- I, I couldn't tell you what it was, but I knew it when I saw it. Much like pornography, you know, uh, you, you know it when you see it. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I became sort of a, a devout MASH fan because of the, the writing, because of uh, Larry Gelbart, Alan Alda are the kind of primary two people that I point to. Uh, there was just something about their way with, with words and the way that they brought it to life. And the show was very complex. It was funny, but it was also serious. And it had all of these things going. And, you know, when I was 11, 12 years old, I, it, to me, I was just like, what is this? This is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I became a, addicted to it. And much of my, like you've admitted uh, in your confessionals to Father Mulcahy in the past, hmm. uh, uh, much of my sense of humor, much of my morals mm-hmm. uh, were derived from MASH, mm-hmm. from what, what I saw and, and learned and digested from MASH. And the, you know, the quick wit and the kind of uh, the non sequitur response just to you know, try to be funny as a non sequitur when someone's talking, I totally – I stole that all through my late teens and all through my twenties. I I would mimic that sort of repartee, that sort of attitude, and uh, the the way that Hawkeye would deliver uh, a line to sort of cut the tension. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my life just sort of modeled after after that. And so, it's always held a special place for me. Did you go back and uh, try and ca- did you go back and see them all? In another, like on the DVDs or something, because obviously, if you're watching them on syndication, <laughs> there's yeah. some that you're never, you're, for some yeah. reason, you're never going to get to see. Which I, I will say, this episode that we're going to talk about, Life with Father, ne- like, almost never ran in my local area. Mm. I don't know why. Yeah. I used to, I used to collect the show on VHS. I would record it and I sure. would, I would cross off yeah. up the episodes and like never ran Life with Father. I was like, why would we? And this was like this like golden episode that was never I could never find for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, for me, the one episode that I did not see until the DVD release years and years later was uh, the Yellow Brick Road. Oh wow! Oh yeah, that long? Huh? That must have been that, yeah. what a treat to be able to see like kind of like a brand new episode that many years later. Yeah, no, it was insane, and you know, again because of not being able to get the TV st- the TV station, the CBS affiliate. Um, I really didn't get into MASH until it was sort of too late, and the last episode passed me by. Like, I was still watching the syndication, so I was living in the past. <laughs> and, and and when the final episode came and went, um, I was like, oh, wow. This, and you read about it the next day, and you hear about it. I was like, holy crap, this was a huge, huge thing, and I, <laughs> I really didn't get to see it. I didn't see the final episode until it was aired in 1993 for the 10th anniversary. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's cool. I, I kind of like that idea, though. It's like you're, see, you're just seeing it in such a completely different context. That's kind of yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah, and of, and of course, I subscribe to the Columbia House. The, oh God, the, <laughs> those VHS the, the tapes. Rip off. Oh my God, three episodes per tape. What a rip off that was. <laughs> oh God, yeah. what a mess those things. Were. Yeah, for sure. Oh God. Well, but that's that's fantastic. That's really cool. All right, excellent. Well, yeah. as I said, we're here to talk about Life with Father. It originally aired. On October 29th, 1974, was written by the dynamite team of Everett Greenbaum and Jim Fritzell, and directed by High Averback. 
a, a young Korean girl wanders into camp carrying a baby, asking anyone who walks by something that in her broken English is hard to decipher. Frank scoots hot lips away from her, sure that it's some sort of scam. Hawkeye and Trapper, uh, meanwhile, uh, they are b- busy trying to win a real-life horse via a contest, agree to help the Korean woman out, and it turns out that all she wants is a brisk performed for her baby. The child is the son of a Corporal Jacobson who was at the front and sent his wife and child to the 477th to have the procedure done. Hawkeye and Trapper agree to perform the circumcision, but they need Father Mulcahy for the details of the bris. Meanwhile, Henry gets a letter in mail call from his wife, giving him permission to, quote, fool around while he's away from home. At first, Henry is overjoyed, but a creeping feeling comes over him that maybe his wife is feeling guilty about something. He calls Lorraine, and she tearfully reveals that she had a brief encounter with someone at the local country club. Henry's feeling of freedom quickly evaporates when the shoe is on the other foot. Despite Frank and Hollips' objection, of course they object, Father Mulcahy, with the help of a rabbi stationed on a Navy cruiser thousands of miles away, handles the bris while Hawkeye and Trapper perform the surgery. Later, it appears that Hawkeye and Trapper have, in fact, won the horse, but it turns out it's just a uh, horse from some other <laughs> nearby camp that Hawkeye is borrowing so they can uh, get used to the idea of having a horse. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is life with father. Uh, this I, I will. I see if you agree with me here, Jeff. This episode reminds me a lot of like the deer dot 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 episodes in that it doesn't really have a big through line. It's kind of just a bunch of random things kind of put into one show. Uh, I mean, the, yeah. the, the 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 bris is sort of the major storyline, I guess. But even the title of the episode, Life with Father, would suggest it's mostly about Father Mulcahy, and he does get a side storyline here about his. His sister, the nun, wanting to to give up uh, the the give up her her her, her faith, uh, but nevertheless, it, this there really is this really is just sort of a grab bag episode. It it really is, you know. And I think you must have seen my secret notes. Um, <laughs> I, I I kind of said this is a uh, sort of a less funny. And if you go back and watch it, you'll notice that the the first laugh track moment is pretty deep into the episode, and uh, it's just like a, a slice of life, a day in the life of yeah. Mash. You know, you get the OR opening, you get a mail call. This could have been a mail call episode because yep. it, it, it lent itself to that. Uh, there's also the you know the mess tent, and to me, I think this episode did a lot to to universe build uh, because it focused on some minutia about Mulcahy about Henry and Hawkeye and Trapper, for for what it's worth, are you know kind of just the casual observers. They're yeah, very pa- yeah. passive. Everything that happens comes to them as they are sort of passively trying to find the, the faces of ten presidents in this, this this picture to win a pony. And then they're also playing cards. But it's like they're not asking to be involved in anything. Everything just sort of migrates toward them, and they continue to sort of passively move through the episode. And, and I think, to me, that's the most appealing part of this is the relationship the two of them have where they're just sort of yeah, minor reaction to what's going on. They really could care less. But they sort of gently steer everything to its conclusion. Yeah, they're kind of like a Greek chorus in the episode. Yeah. Is that that they, you know, they get involved with the story with Henry and his wife. They get involved with the storyline with Father Mulcahy. They get involved with the Briss. Uh, they yeah. have run-ins with with uh, Frank and Hotlips. But yeah, they don't. For considering the fact that they are the two stars of the show, they really don't get a whole ton to do other than just constantly looking at this. Uh, win a pony thing, which you actually <laughs> right. get to see. They actually show it to you. The, yes, the little yes, sheet. There's a, a big, there's a big close picture. up of the picture. Yeah. And I always wondered, is that a real, is that a real thing that they called from some 
you know, newspaper or some magazine somewhere, or was it a prop that like the CBS department made? Because you get a big, a big close-up of it, and it looks genuine. But I always, I always wonder if like, <laughs> do they have custom make that from the prop department, or is it something vintage from the nineteen? I, I highly doubt you could fit ten presidents' faces in that picture, from what you say. Well, absolutely. I, I, I would like to think that it was something real that some of the writers may have remembered and went, "Hey, you remember that crazy contest?" But to, to me, it's like the ten presidents. By the way, this shows you the lack of education in our world today. I think the comedy comes from the presidents that they try to to find, including Millard Fillmore and Calvin Coolidge mm-hmm. being two, two of the ones, or John Quincy Adams. And I'm like, all right, you know, who today could find Millard Fillmore or Calvin Coolidge? Right. <laughs> I mean, who would even know what they look like to a certain extent? Yeah. It, exactly. And it's played off in this as if, oh, yeah. Everybody knows what all the presidents look like, so finding ten of them should be pretty easy. <laughs> uh, and you know, to me, I think it's 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 almost as if um, Hawkeye and Tra- I watched it again this today before the before the uh, the chat we're having, and I thought. I wonder if they're actually finding any presidents or they're just walking around <laughs> circling things on the, the picture just sort of nonsensically. You know, it's like they, they have such an easy camaraderie between them. And that's what I love about this is that especially one of the moments when just out of the blue, they're walking through the compound, walking and talking, and then Henry interrupts and shows them the letter. And then they, they really don't want anything to do with any of the other storylines, mm-hmm. even, even though they keep crossing paths. And, you know, Trapper is sort of throwing a football, which feels improv yeah. in, yep. in the moment. Like this whole bit, like – and to me, I love it when after Henry leaves, Hawkeye just says, Prince. And Trapper immediately knows that the word prince is Hawkeye suggesting a name for the pony. <laughs> I love that running gag of the, the, what they're going to yeah. name it. I think that's a great yeah. that's a great runner. And it actually, we're going when we get into uh, favorite lines, that's going to come in into play because <laughs> they're, they're this whole running gag about the uh, that what they're going to name the horse. Uh, yeah, yeah, this thing is there is. You're right. I agree. The scene with Trapper throwing the football does look. Uh, improvised because it's like while while uh, McLean Stevenson and Alan Alda are going back and forth and he's talking yeah. about his ladder, you see Trapper kind of like giving hand signals to somebody like go back, go back, further, 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 yeah. and it just yeah. looks genuine. It doesn't it doesn't look like there's a crew guy just lobbing the ball. It looks like somebody's literally throwing it as you. And then of course it pays off when they walk uh. into the swamp and then the football comes careening into the door and they both give this unnamed person, unseen person, a kind of look. Yeah. Of like what is that about? Cut. Comedy genius, and and that's to me. Even though it's not a line, the football payoff is my favorite thing in the entire episode because it's such a kind of unusual throwaway thing. Like if you're really focusing on Henry and Hawkeye, you you sort of don't even notice Trapper right <laughs> right throw, throwing the football. But once you realize, oh, this is you know this is going on. The payoff at the end, I think, is the funniest thing in the whole episode. Yeah, it's a psych gag. Yeah, I do love that psych gag. Uh, you mentioned that this is a world building episode, and I would probably—I I mean, I have to think about it—but uh, I think this is probably the first piece of Father Mulcahy uh, like character bits. Like, I think this is the first yeah. time we find out really anything about his life. Um, in terms of where he, I think maybe they've mentioned that he had a sister in a previous episode, but this is the first time where he gets any sort of storyline. I mean, it's right. a minor one is that he reads the letter after he talks to the Korean woman about the, the bris and he reads the letter 
And then, you know, he, he realizes, oh, his sister wants to give up the life as a nun. But, I mean, it's, it's really the first time that uh, William Christopher really got anything, any beats to play over the course of the 26 minutes of the show. Yeah, it re- really developed his character. And, and I have to say, uh, is, is being a priest or a nun, does that run in their family? Because, you know, that I, – I mean, how unusual is that? It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a priest, she's a nun. Well, I guess, well, it can't run in the family because that would be the end of the line. Right. But, right. <laughs> but I always found that a little bit odd. I'm like, you know, what, what did their parents think? It's like, oh, we took them to too many, you know, uh, Catholic services. They, it really caught on. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. But, but I also, you know, the title of the show has always bugged me because I, I think even though it does really give Mulcahy much more depth as a character, like fully invested in him now – the the title doesn't really fit the episode. I mean, the no. episode would have been a better would have been better if it had been called "Win Your Own Pony." Right? Or something yeah, like that. right. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the title I should mention is a reference to a play and a movie. Uh, the yeah. movie is from 1947, and it stars William Powell, one of my all time favorite actors. And I've seen that movie; it's a good movie. Uh, so I think it was it was probably just a, a funny play on words. But yeah, you're right. Like when you when you see that in like in a book, and like I mentioned. Um, you know, like this was an episode that always eluded me in my collection of in, in the attempt of, to record episodes on on uh, my VCR. Uh, I never could find this one, and so you hear "Life with Father," you think, "Oh, this must be a Mulcahy episode." And you're like, "Yeah, not really." Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 got something to him, but it's really just again, it's really just a big grab bag. So I, maybe when they when the script was handed to William Christopher, he might have been like, "Ooh, this is going to be good," and then he reads these, like, "Oh, all right, I, can't, I don't know that much yeah. to do." Still, this, this really it locked him in place as one of the core cast. Uh, That's true. As, as firmly as any episode, I think, and and especially I made a note about this near the end. Whenever Hawkeye is performing the ceremony, there's a, there's a shot of Alan Alda watching Mulcahy do the ceremony. That go go back and check it out, folks, because it is absolutely the perfect setup for the relationship the two of them would have over the next many seasons. It's this look of respect, reverence, you know, he looks at him like he's admiring the father for what he's doing. Yeah. It's really a cool moment. Yeah, he's a, he always likes Father Mulcahy, which is a nice, I mean, first of all, how do you not like Father Mulcahy? But even, even the notorious malcontent Hawkeye still really <laughs> likes Father Mulcahy. And I think they like, yeah. part of the reason they like Mulcahy is Mulcahy is willing to kind of bend the rules a little bit because, I mean, presumably... I'm guessing right. that, that Frank is right, that this brist is not supposed to be performed. But okay, he's going to do what he needs to do anyway. And it's sort of he's – he's a gentle rule breaker, which is something I think that Hawkeye and Trapper always appreciate about him is that, he, yeah. yeah, he's the priest. But he's also kind of one of the, the fun gang as well. Right. He answers to a higher commander That's than, right. <laughs> than Henry. Then, yeah. uh, it, it is interesting, and I, I'm not sure why they chose to do this, but to include the entire ceremony in, in the show – the, yeah, you the, see the whole thing. Yeah, the whole the whole thing front of you don't see the whole thing uh, visually. You know, you, we missed the circumcision part. Thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, um, but you know, I thought, wow, that's interesting that they stuck with it because that's that's kind of a deep cut. You know, the, no pun intended. Yeah, for sure. But <laughs> um, uh, that that bit of humor was not derived from my years of mash love, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I just found it interesting that they would kind of rest on that and just let it play out like that. Yeah, it's a long scene, right? And they have all these cutaways to this stock footage uh, of a a naval carrier. By the way, that is from the the, the shots you see of the ship. Uh, It's called the Essex, but it's actually the USS Yorktown, and it's from 
a uh, Academy Award nominated short called Jet Carrier. And I would love to know uh, who whoever put that on IMDb knows that. Because, yeah. I, I mean, look, I've never been in the military, but I would argue that, you know, unless unless you can see the, the, the name the Yorktown pretty prominently, which I don't think you can, like, right. don't all these ships kind of look the same? <laughs> I mean, how do you know these things? I have no idea. I'm sure some military man is screaming now. How dare I say that? But uh, it's, you know, it's just kind of like, really? You're able to tell that it's not the Essex, it's the Yorktown? But And, and the fact that you were able to pin down what short it's from, like, that's pretty amazing. Whoever figured that out. That that's impressive. They they've got too much time on their hands. A little bit. Well, yeah, who am I to judge? I'm sitting here doing a show about oh, well, that. Uh, that's uh, that, that's true. Um, one that's of the true. things I I did sort of occur to me as I rewatched this episode is for an episode that is uh, got some you know more, more than usual Father Mulcahy content and is named after the character to a certain extent. It deals a lot with very non Father Mulcahy stuff in that one of the other side plots is this whole thing about the infidelity of, of Henry's wife, Lorraine. Mm. And of course, you know, she yeah. writes in this letter and she says, you have permission to fool around, which I guess Henry didn't need because he's been fooling around a lot before we get <laughs> yeah. to this point. But he, yeah, he, yeah. The, the fact that he's so upset, I, I hate that, that he has that line about, you know, I, I've always tried to be honest with you Yeah. <laughs> when he's talking to her on the phone. I'm like, Ooh, feels a little skeevy now. Right? Yeah. I mean, right. And it's, it's, I mean, so you've got that that whole plot. And then uh, you mentioned earlier about the, you know, how you know pornography when you see it. This features one of the great fake <laughs> porn movies ever in MASH two, history. Two. Two, two yeah. is the when, when, when Henry gets the delivery in the mail and it's Yvonne, Renee, and Loretta in What the Parrot Saw, which is one of the great names of all time. Uh, I absolutely, I just, I, I just, that makes me laugh. And the fact that, okay, the three names, right? Loretta. Right. You have to think Loretta. Is Loretta, right. Loretta Sweat. So then I sure. wonder, who are Yvonne and Renee? And are they are they the wives of somebody on staff? Because it just feels mm. – once I heard Loretta, I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm betting those are all very specific names to people related in the MASH family. Yeah, yeah. That's a good – that's a really good call. I, I like that. In fact, the, the episode could have just been titled What the Parents Are. What the Parents Are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I, a couple of the things I, I noticed while watching this. I watch – these episodes sometimes with the uh, the subtitles on, uh, hmm. and because uh, if I'm trying to do something else and I just need to, to take notes, I'll notice that in one scene, Father Mulcahy comes into the uh, the the, uh, the mess tent and he says, "Hello, Hawkeye. Hello, Trapper." And the subtitle says, "Hello, Chopper," which I enjoyed very oh. much. I don't know if anybody doesn't know. Whoever did this doesn't know that uh, Trapper's name is not Chopper. By the way. Um, oh. There is a mention in this episode of a Captain Forrest, the yes. brain surgeon who falls down a lot. And, of course, Captain Forrest was the third lead in the MASH movie, played by Tom Skerritt. And that was the character that Larry Gelbart decided to strike when he was uh, yep. coming up with the show. And uh, he is Cap – Captain Forrest in – the MASH movie was not a brain surgeon specifically, although you do see him perform right. assisting uh, Spirit Shocker on a uh, on a yeah. on, on brain surgery near the end of the movie. And I I have to figure that name couldn't have been random. That I figured that has to be a direct reference to the movie. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think uh, what a great little Easter egg that was, but it totally screws with the timeline yes, uh, for Nash <laughs> because, you know, Hawkeye says he's been gone for over two years. Yeah. And which, it's like, okay, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. No, you can't. You got to ignore all that stuff because there's no way that Henry and Trapper have been oh. at the 47th for two years. That just, doesn't, that just does not make right, any sense right. at all. Um, yeah. The there is the there's a great line where uh, it's a little those little confusing where they talk about uh, Henry talks to Hawkeye and Trapper about watching the porn movies and he says midnight in the generator shed and I'm <laughs> right. like why are they watching them in the ge- he has his own office why are they yeah. watching them in the generator shed I don't know and, why and, they need to do that yeah yeah and and we've seen them or or are we yet to see them watching movies in Henry's office that is coming that, that is, is coming, coming. where they're watching yes. but I mean clearly they can watch things. In right. Henry's office, they've watched other things in Henry's office, so yeah. that, that doesn't make it's just. I guess it's just a funny line. It just sounds more uh, furtive, and 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 yeah. you know, maybe maybe they have such a big crowd of coming Clandest- to the porn yes. films that they need they need a bigger hall or something like yeah, that. Yeah, this is a clandestine operation. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. There is a, uh, a a brief a little error in that in the earlier scene where Radar is delivering the mail to Henry, you can see radio towers in the background. Uh, and the, usually the MASH directors were very good at making sure you didn't see any of that, but occasionally they slipped up. So mm-hmm. you, you do see radio towers in the background in, in what is supposedly war-torn uh, Korea at that point. And then uh, speaking of, of, uh, of uh, Radar and Henry, uh, my this is my favorite scene. It's not my favorite line, but my favorite scene in this episode is after Henry has the phone call with Lorraine, and Lorraine mm-hmm. tells him yes. what happened. And he, of course, is very, very upset. And Radar then comes in and to remind him of the Briss. And McLean Stevenson really plays this beautifully, where he looks utterly devastated. I mean, just yeah. crushed. And he's not, he's only half listening to what Radar is saying. And he's just like, fine, Radar. You know, and, and on the one hand, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little unsure of, of the show's perspective. Uh, in that is the show sympathizing with Henry because, you know, it's like, well, Henry's been cheating on his wife, you know, pretty, pretty right. wantonly. Right. So, yeah. I mean, how much sympathy am I supposed to have? At the same time, maybe that is the show sort of saying, well, that now Henry finally gets a sense of what maybe his wife would feel if she found it out because he just looks – he just looks utterly crushed and I just love – that they that high Averback, the director, let the moment sit there, and there's just this yeah. really eerie quiet, and it's it's I think it's one of McLean Stevenson's best moments on the, the entire show. Yeah, and then he is you know undoubtedly an MVP of the first three seasons of, of the show. I think yep. McLean just has he always knows how to deliver it perfectly, and the the bits that he has to play in this episode, you know, like you were sort of saying, it, it's you have to be in a position where the viewer feels bad for you, but also doesn't feel bad enough for you to condone. Yeah. But, but you also don't want them to suddenly vilify Henry for his action. So this is a really thin line that you have to walk as an actor. And, and he does, he plays it beautifully. Yeah, he does. He really does a, a great, great job. I mean, clean, you know, I've said this in other episodes is that uh, I saw, I've seen, I saw a line in a book once about, um, all of God's children deserve to be judged on their best work, which I always thought was a really beautiful line. And McLean, right. McLean Stevenson post Mash uh, really did not have a very good career. Um, no. And and when I 
was growing up. Um, I mean, I came to the show long after he had left the show. McLean Stevenson, you know, was kind of considered like a, a punchline. You know, like yeah. it was like he was the Shelley Long of his day. He was like the David Caruso of his day. A guy that left a hit series and then whose career just crashed and burned. And it, he was sort of like a, a, a cautionary tale. You know, you don't want to be a McLean Stevenson. And, yeah, he did a bunch of junk Basically, after he left MASH, that isn't necessarily his fault. You can only go by what he was able to do when he was given good material. And in moments like this, I was reminded, boy, he was really good. He was a yeah. really, really good comic, comedic actor, and he could handle these dramatic moments because I just think it's it's great. And by the way, I did look up. There is a um, uh, – what kind of guy, uh, the guy at the club, what kind of guy makes a move on the wife – of someone who is serving their country right. overseas. What? Yeah. Come on, man. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know that supposedly Lorraine is pretty hot, but geez, that's pretty, pretty. Yeah. Icky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it, it does challenge the, the viewer because it is a serious topic. It is something that was real, that, that went on obviously. And, you know, McLean plays it perfectly, but also the, the comedy that he's able to wring out of it, you know, when he finds out, you know, who it was. Yeah. An orthodontist. <laughs> An orthodontist. Which he yeah, seems like upset about. He, he seems really bothered yeah. by that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also, uh, you know, as funny as that could be, the temptation would be, oh, I should camp this up a little bit. He never does. No, he re- really does a good, a really good job. And by the way, there is a, uh, there's even a term, not to get too deep into this subject, but there's even a term for a man who beds down the wife of a guy, of, of a man surging, serving overseas. It's a Jody grind. That was a that was the term they had uh, for for men that did things like that. So this orthodontist is a uh, is a Jody grind. So so there you go. Interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> I do want to mention the one guest actor is the the young woman playing the the the, the mother. Her name is Sachiko Penny Lee. She only has two credits, and both of them are Mash episodes. Uh, she's huh. she's in this episode, and then she plays um, the wife of the uh, the the ping pong player in the episode Ping Pong. I'm blanking uh, on the name. The, the, that's right. Yes. Yeah, she's the one who is uh, you know wants to get married to Cho, the ping pong player, and she's, she's basically the same and uh, the, she's not the same character, but the same basic right. role of someone who doesn't speak a lot of English and she's sort of just sort of going through the tent trying to figure out what's going on with everybody around her is making jokes. But there, so that's her two credits. Wow. Uh, so I have no idea what else she did with her life except for these two <laughs> bash episodes. Um, and then I mentioned the episode ends with uh, what you think is Hawkeye has won the horse because he shows yeah. up on a white horse and, you know, they managed to um, under uh, they they managed to save it a little because of course if this had been season one and had been like the uh, major Fritzy Dobbs episode they would have like really pushed it and he wins the horse somehow but instead they decided yeah. to say no 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 this is basically borrowing a horse from somewhere else so they could practice what it's like to ride on a horse so it's kind of it's a very and, silly gag but it's it's a fun way to end the show and and impressive too that they're riding bareback and that uh, Trapper mounts the horse on camera like he does he does, does run from yeah it's like that that was an impressive little move uh Wayne rogers did some westerns in the 60s so he, maybe he knew how to do that's, this stuff. that's that's right uh interestingly enough talking about the syndication versus you know the the full episode the uh syndicated episode typically did not have the horse scene yes that's it. right yeah, it ended with them pulling the film out of the camera and kind of, you know, getting the best of Frank and Margaret yep. in, in their scheme. Yep. So so Life with Father, when you saw it in syndication, didn't even have the button on the end of it with Father Mulcahy 
accepting his sister's choice. Yep. Yeah. 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 It always just ends with that. Bit. I, I, that was, I didn't see that until I got the, uh, the DVDs. Yeah, so for here. me, it was like, Oh cool. This is a whole new footage. I get to see this is fun. And it's again, it's a funny thing to watch Hawkeye and Trapper ride off into the sunset with the, <laughs> the white horse. Um, yeah. what, uh, what overall, like what is you, well, you mentioned what is your, your favorite line from the episode is not a line. It's the, the football gang. Mm-hmm. Totally the football gag. Uh, to me, you know, as, as somebody, like I said, when I was watching this, I was an aspiring writer trying to sort of learn uh, what good chemistry with characters is, what good dialogue is, what it, what a good, you know, relationship. How do you set this up? And and that really always got me. Like I said, the the walk and talk aspect of it was pre Aaron Sorkin, but still they were walking from the mess tit to the swamp. It, it's not an, un, an uninterrupted shot because they do a couple of cuts in right. it, but, but it could have played as an uninterrupted shot. And I thought, wow, that's, there's a genius behind the, the comedy construction of how they get from there to the end of the scene. And the button on it is, oh, this little throwaway gag that looked like it might have been improv was actually supposed to be the, the funniest part of the scene. Right. And, and to, to me, that was just, I thought, wow, that's great. That's not even a line. Right, which, which you wouldn't even get the joke if you weren't looking at the screen through the whole sequence. Right, you right. Know, because you're not you, – there's no – you don't hear Trapper go like, yo, or catch or throw the ball or anything. So it, it's – I remembered – this is uh, – p- p- pardon me for getting slightly off topic, but there was a show in the 80s called Police Squad, which was yes. the Leslie Nielsen show, obviously, which was the precursor to the Naked Gun, uh, yep. Naked Gun uh, movies. And when that show uh, was getting canceled – uh, apparently, one of the studio notes or network notes that the producers got was from some studio head who was angered because he said the problem with Police Squad is, quote, people have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> what a yeah. note to get that people are demanding that you have to watch the show that you're putting in front of their eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, but but there's something to that, to, yeah, just having a joke that you, yeah, you have to pay attention. To, to yeah. what's going on. You can't be doing your laundry and watching the show. Otherwise, you don't get the joke. So, yeah, I like that MASH, well, MASH knew that its viewers were probably paying attention. And and they, they did a lot. You know, this this one is tied for me visual joke-wise with The Chosen People where, you know, Father Mulcahy and Henry are eating with chopsticks and Sam is eating with a fork. Mm-hmm. And, and they make nothing of it. It's mm-hmm. just if you, ha- if you happen to look at it, you go, oh, yeah. that's, that's brilliant. It's a good gag. <laughs> Yeah. My favorite line is actually sort of related to that is when they're talking about the horse and, you know, they spend the whole – they're going through these runners of what they're going to name the horse. And then Hawkeye says – he offers up the name Norman. And Trapper <laughs> tra- Trapper just says, all the other horses will make fun of him. And he just that's, says that like it's, that's a total yeah. natural reaction. And Hawkeye kind of accepts it like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Like, yeah, neither, good point. <laughs> yeah, neither, neither one of them is, is kind of giving in of the joke. They're just like – they're just treating this like it's deadly serious. We have to name this horse. We got to name it something. It's this is very very serious for these two guys. So I just right. it's a silly line, but I just laugh at it because it's just the way Wayne Rogers delivers it. Oh, the horses are going to make fun of him. And I go, yeah, all right, that's, yeah. that's totally reasonable. <laughs> uh, I, I think if I had to pick a joke, though, it would definitely be the Yvonne Renee Lorraine <laughs> and, and what the parrot saw, because then it gets flipped and the parrot is now one of the uh, <laughs> the participants. And I thought that's that's kind of a genius play on words. <laughs> In the history of MASH, at some point at the end of this podcast, at all when I'm when I'm wrapping up episode 251, I will have to make a list of all the fake movies 
that Mash yes. had. You know, the Godzilla and the Bobby Sox or the thing that ate the Bronx. You know, all <laughs> that stuff. And the, Yvonne, Renee, and Loretta and what the parrots are. It's just it's from, yeah. the, from the Tabasco Film Company of Havana, Cuba. It's fantastic. Right, right. So, yes. Yeah, this is this – this is, you know, I wouldn't say um, in a season like season three, which I think is just stellar. I think it's one of the best – it's certainly one of the best seasons of the show, probably one of the best seasons of like TV period. I wouldn't say this is one of their best ones, but at the same time, it's sort of like pizza. You know what I mean? Like the worst pizza you had still probably isn't all that bad. So yeah. like this is a this is a light episode. There isn't a whole lot that goes on that, that has much import to the show, but it's very funny and it features again a great dramatic turn by McLean Stevenson. And it, overall, it's just it's still a really good show. And I will say it it really did feel like I uh, it was it was like uh, it was lost treasure because I couldn't. Mm. get it on tape for so many damn years yeah that's i mean that's crazy but i i do i think this is bold of them uh this early they're in the the first third of the third season uh to choose to do a universe building episode mm-hmm. i think that that's the term i used before where it's just like let's just hang out mm-hmm. there there's no military there's no patience really there's no, none of the the kind of tropes of the crisis this is what would they do if they were bored for a day <laughs> um and you know their thing would be hey we'll we'll look for president faces in this <laughs> win a pony thing and then we'll play cards and meanwhile everyone else is reacting to other things that are kind of revolving in their universe and I, it's very brave i don't think a show today would stop and and kind of take a breather like that because I, I really think this is kind of a breather episode. Yeah, that's true. And they certainly wouldn't do a uh, extended bris scene like they did. I mean, you would really oh, you you would almost know how yeah. to like recite a bris at this point if you really studied this it, episode. It, exactly. And I wonder too, all the uh, the the Jewish faith folks out there watching it. Um, I'm, I'm sure since it's not on IMDb as a complaint, they must have gotten it right. Yeah, so they get so. the attention to detail. Maybe so. Maybe so. So, uh, so that is life with father, uh, Jeff. Thank you so much for stopping by. Oh, it is my pleasure. I love to talk mash anytime I can. And unfortunately now in the year 2020, uh, when I just randomly start talking mash to people around me, I get the strangest looks. So it's mm. always good to, good to find someone who, who gets me. And I, I'm <laughs> glad that you get me, uh, iron guts. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, again, yeah, thank you for stopping by. And why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Oh my gosh! Well, I, I am all over the uh, the internets, uh, as it were, many many places. I'm on Facebook. You can just find me, uh, Jeff Messer. Uh, also on Twitter and Instagram at Jeff Douglas Mess uh, because I ran out of letters and I thought, well, that seems like a, a joke, maybe. Uh, but uh, I, I do lots of things, uh, writer work in the theater business, you know, lots of things. So I, I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades. Um, I, I used to say I, I have a, a trivial pursuit brain. I know a little bit about a lot of things and, oh, well, it's gotten me this far. And, and MASH, is, MASH is one of those things where uh, I, I used to be able to tell people any situation, if you present me with any situation, I can find an episode of MASH reference that covers that situation. Oh and, yes, I yeah. yes, me too. Oh, I admire that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little rusty on it now, but it used to be I would marvel people because they would just throw a scenario at me, and I would say, "Well, in season four, episode nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would be like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "No, I'm not." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've mentioned this story I think on previous Mash episodes, and I know I mentioned it on the Mash Matters 
podcast, but uh, one of my proudest moments was when uh, the, the MASH writer Elias Davis, who I interviewed once, uh, wrote me to say, um, hey, there was a joke that I wrote about Studebakers, and I don't remember what episode it's from. Do you know what one it was from? And I was able to tell him what episode that he nice. wrote that featured nice. the joke. Yeah, I was, I was like, finally, this is all, this is all of some use. Yay, me! <laughs> it's paid off after all this. Paid stuff. off after all those years. So, well, awesome, Jeff. Again, thank you so much for stopping by. And of course, my buddy, thank you. Of course, that if, if uh, you want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're always talking mash on Twitter at mash four seven seven. And if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, you can go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Adam Sanders, Nicholas Prom, Russell Burbage, and Suzanne Holland for their support of MASHcast. So that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, be back next week, and until then, that is all. Films came, sir, from the Tabasco Film Company, Havana, Cuba. T-Riff. Great, great. Yvonne, Rene, and Loretta in What the Parrot Saw. Uh, what's the other one say, sir? Oh, uh, Rene, Loretta, and the Parrot and What Yvonne Saw.